It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show Today. Good. How are you, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. So we start on another. Um, we got another sad note, man. Another um, famous musician just passed away. Um, Charlie um, Watts this week. Yeah, yeah. This one hit me kind of hard. Uh, a lot of people dying this year. You know, it's sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Charlie Watts, drummer to the Rolling Stones, original member, played on every record they ever made. Okay. Uh, passed away early this week um he was 80 he had just turned 80 this year yeah um yeah and it came on the heels of of them announcing that they were going to go forward with uh the no filter tour going into this year uh i think that had gotten delayed because of covid it had started and stopped they had to they had to stop the tour and uh charlie had to get what they said was a procedure they didn't say what it was and uh, he was supposed to recover and, you know, join the band maybe in about a year. And uh, they had uh, Charlie's drum tech, uh, basically. Uh, the guy's name is Steve Jordan, I believe. Uh, and he had complete blessings by Charlie to, to take his spot. I mean, if anybody else could, I guess it would be him. Uh, and, you know, Charlie has died. They they hospital whatever this procedure was uh he didn't recover yeah maybe it was cancer i i I don't know you know but uh it's very sad because i don't think anybody expected it uh it just was a matter of recovering and then he'd be back in the band but you know 80 years old anytime you get any kind of procedure i guess there's a danger that's pretty crazy yeah because his last gig with the rory stone was um august 30 2019 at a Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. Yeah, his last show. Yeah, and he never missed a show from 1963 to to then. Okay, and this tour would have been the first tour without him, uh, which I I, I kind of found, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but I kind of found that a little disheartening. Uh, if I wanted to go see the Stones, I'd want Charlie there. Charlie is. Uh, the linchpin to the band, you know, and, and, you know, Mick and Keith and, and Ron Wood to some degree are, are, are the front guys. Okay. Especially Mick and Keith, but it's, it's Charlie that has kept the band together all these years. And uh, Keith Richards has said on numerous occasions that he wouldn't continue on if Charlie wasn't in the band. So I don't know what their future is. Uh, knowing them, I think they, they will go on, uh, but maybe not for too long. But let's see. You know, a lot of people calling for them to hang it up. Uh, I don't think that's anybody's call to make. You know, it's not like they need the money or they don't need the exposure. They don't need anything. But the, the fact that they love what they do. And I'm not going to fault them for going out, even though Charlie just died. It gives me a little bit of a mixed feeling, but I think, you know, you have to look at it from their point of view. 
you know, they, they, they've, you know, they've carried on all these years and really it was Charlie that was the linchpin of the band. And, and, and to, I guess they feel they want to go out there at least one more time for him. What do you think? You know what? It, it's it's funny. So there was a guy in the bar with the Rolling Stones shirt on, right? Right. And I'm looking down on my phone, and I looked at his shirt. I looked at my phone, and I get that 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 message. Um, famous, well famous um, drummer, a um, Rolling Stone, Charlie Charlie Watts, just passed away. I was like, holy shit. You know, and yeah, and I think you I think age. you texted I think you texted me about five minutes later and yeah, I, I, I was I was yeah, shocked. I had it I had it I was like I had to make sure that it was like you know, sometimes you True. see it and it's a mistake or whatever the hell. They have hoaxes. <laughs> and uh and I just wanted to look because you know what's funny, he was eighty years old and these guys were still rocking. It really didn't look like you know, for guys that looked that bad, they were still going and moving and playing, which is it's well, impressive. You know, Charlie was a very interesting guy. I'll get into a little bit of his early history in a minute, but um, he was a jazz. He was, he was a blues and, and especially jazz. Yeah. He loved jazz, which yeah. I'll get into, but uh, he was not the typical rock star. No. Okay. Let me, let me, t- let me give you some examples. He married his wife, Shirley in 1968. And they've been together ever since. That's longer than I'm alive. <laughs> okay, so God bless the both of them for for managing to stay together for fifty three years. Okay, also, uh, you know he he shunned he shunned the spotlight, he shunned the public, you know the craziness of being a rock star. He tried into it too much, like Jagger and Richards did. Um, you know he 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 liked to be private which is probably why they didn't even say what was wrong with him. He probably didn't want anybody to know. And that was typical Charlie. Okay. Um, one example, he, in the, in the early seventies, I think about 1972, uh, when they were on their exile on main street tour, which was the height of their decadence. We did a show on that. Remember? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the amount of drugs and women and everything on that tour and the making of that album. They got invited in 72 to the Playboy Mansion by Hugh Hefner. And they went. The whole band went. Okay. Uh, Mick Taylor was, was still in the band at that point. And uh, I'm sure, you know, they, they partook in all the, the hedonism of being there, all the girls and drugs, cocaine, whatever was going on, except Charlie. You know what Charlie did? What? He hung out in the game room and shot pool. Right. He did not. He did not mess with the girls. He didn't want nothing to do with that. He had his wife at home. He didn't cheat on her. Uh, he was not into groupies. Nothing like that. And but to to give you an example, he was no pussy. Okay, because he was part of his drumming style. And I'm not a drummer, so I I, I can't speak of it from that point of view. But his drumming style had such a swagger, okay? Lars Ulrich was commenting on this in, in, in something I saw online. And he said that Charlie was the attitude and the swagger of the band. And, and I believe that. You know, Keith Richards is the swagger in a way as well, mm-hmm. but in a, in a different way, okay? 
you listen to these Stones albums, especially from the 70s, early 70s, the stuff they did in the McTaylor years, the, and, and earlier on, too. I, I really, I mean, the whole stretch of it, but, but it, you, you listen to him, and he, he makes it sound so simple. When, when you would see him live, he, you know, you, you know, compared to other drummers that, you know, of bands of that caliber, you know, monster bands, you know, drummers going crazy in between every song. They're, you know, they're wiping down their face. You know, Charlie sat there and would play for three fucking hours. I saw the Stones a couple of times, so I know, okay? Play for three hours and it, it just looked like he barely took a sweat, had a sweat. Yeah, he was really it. cool and collected. He cool, was- calm and collected. And he never looked like he was. Like he never looked like he was. He, he was just moving with the music. He, he was sweating. He just looked like he was. He looked like he was a harmony. He just playing with the band, enjoying what he's doing, and he would just go out there and get some ass. Yeah. He was great. It was yeah, like, I mean, just 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 hard hitting, consistent beat. I think anybody, anybody who picked up drums in in in, in a rock and roll format since the Stones' inception owe something to him okay uh Ringo Starr was a different kind of drummer good drummer solid drummer kind of underrated but Charlie to me when you look at that era uh of 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 guys like that I think he was the best I think he influenced everybody after him uh just to 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 keep the, the you know it's hard to write a song if anybody's ever tried it okay and and when you have a guy like Charlie in the band, he can bring it all together. And 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 I think that 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 I don't know how they're gonna go on without him. I, I don't know what they're gonna do. I'm sure they probably don't even know at this point. They probably just want to get this tour off the ground, okay? Because it's ready to start, I believe, soon. Um, but let me give a little history of Charlie here, so you know what he was like, okay? Now, he was born June 2nd, 1941, in the Bloomsbury section of London. His father was also named, named Charles, okay? Uh, he was a truck driver. That's, he was a, uh, what, what in, in, in England, they call it a lorry, but it's a truck driver, okay? Uh, he had a sister named Linda. And as a child, he lived also in the Wembley area of London. And most of those homes in that area were destroyed by the German Luftwaffe in the Second World War. Okay, so he was born in 1941 when bombs were still falling. Okay, And he lived in what was called a prefabricated house. In the ruins, what they would do is they would, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to build back up as quick as you can. So they had these prefab houses that they slapped together they were already kind of like in pieces and they put them together now you know a a lot of these guys from the british invasion of the early 60s the stones the kinks the the beatles okay uh the yardbirds all these guys were born in london or in that or in england if not just london in 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 the ruins of a war Okay, now what is what is that like? Okay, to 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 have your childhood, okay, walking around, you know, in ruins, and you know you don't have much money, okay, and uh, 
you know, things were still rationed in England up until the 1950s. So food was rationed and all that kind of stuff, even after the war. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Now, as, as a child, he discovered 78 RPM records, which was the precursor to the 33 and the third. The 78 RPM went, obviously, 78 revolutions per minute. And you might get two, two or four, you know, two, on, two songs on each side, probably at the most, usually one. But it was like the size of an album. It wasn't a 45. Okay, now he started as a young kid uh, collecting jazz and blues records. For some reason, this was something he got into, which was very unique for for a kid where he was from and and his age. Now, as a kid, he he moved to the Kingsbury area for a while, where he displayed a talent for art, music, cricket and football were the two sports he likes. And that would be British football. Okay. He also got interested in drumming and his parents gave him his first drum kit in 1955 when he was 14 years old. He would practice along with his jazz records. The records that he he collected is what taught him how to play. Okay, he didn't have money for lessons. He might have taken lessons you know years later or something, but he he right off the bat did not have the cash for that and just played along with his jazz records. Uh, he attended what was called the Harrow Art School and uh, completed his term there in 1960. Now, after art school, he got into graphic design. Did you know he was a graphic design artist? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I knew yeah, that. yeah. Uh, he and 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 one of the things I'll mention quick is when he did join the Stones, he I believe he designed some of, and had input into some of the artwork on their early records things like that i mean a lot of their early albums kind of have just the pictures of them on it but i think there might have been little pieces of artwork and things that that he he was involved with designing um he also began to play drums with with uh, a lot of local bands he played with a lot of bands at the same time and yeah, they he also were, had a few side projects, even though he was a Rolling Stone. He released some jazz album too. Yes, he did. Uh, the Charlie, the Charlie Watts Quintet was one. I believe there was one or two others that he recorded with. But yeah, uh, it's crazy how many albums he had. All the Rolling Stone, and then he had all these albums himself too, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had several albums of of his own stuff, and it was big band jazz kind yeah. of stuff. You know, that's what he liked. That's what he listened to. Yeah. Okay. He didn't listen to rock and roll. Okay. I mean, I imagine there was some things that he liked. Okay. But, but he was really a jazz head. All right. So he would be playing in the coffee shops and clubs and, you know, doing his jazz thing. And he was playing in, in Middlesex, England for a while in a band called the Joe Jones All Stars. Yeah. And that was his first delving into R&B. Okay, R and B is what the Stones were when they started in England. That was rhythm and blues. Okay, uh, he didn't even, you know, when they asked him to play R and B, he didn't know what it was. He said, uh, "What is that?" You know, and and they they told him, you know, what it was, and he says, "Well, it, it, it to me it sounds like Charlie Parker just a little bit slowed down." Okay, Charlie Parker was was a great jazzman. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, and uh, he, he he just 
the way he looked at it is, you know, these are kind of like jazz beats, but just played a little bit slower. And that's how he did it. Now, in 1961, he ended up meeting Alexis Corner. And Alexis Corner is known as the, you know, the godfather of blues. Uh, you know, everybody played with him or was affiliated with him at some point. All the, all the great guys that, that came out of that British invasion. Uh, and Alexis Corner had something called, uh, he had a band called Blues Incorporated. And he asked Charlie Watts to, to be part of that band. And he played with them for a while. Uh, in mid-1962, in the height of this, this R&B blues uh, phenomenon going on in England at the time, especially in London, uh, Charlie Watts would meet four guys, okay, that would change his life forever. And that would be Brian Jones, Ian Stewart, who was an original member of the Stones and carried on with them playing piano on their records for many years. Uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. And these were guys that frequented all these rock, these, they weren't called rock clubs. They were R&B clubs. They were, they were, they were uh, like the Crawdaddy and uh, you know, so many of them. Um, these, these were places where you could hear this kind of music. Mick Jagger was well known on the scene. Uh, you know, Jagger was, was well known on the scene in the R&B and also in the Jamaican neighborhoods in the, the ska and reggae stuff. That was going on in the early 60s. Jagger was well-known hanging out in those places as well. Um, you know, at first he didn't want to join their band, okay? Uh, they asked him to join. We're putting a band together called the Rolling Stones. And at first he didn't want to. But then he did. Uh, in January of 1963, he agreed to join up. And his first gig was um, at a place called the Ealing Jazz Club, and that was February 2nd, 1963. And it just took off from there. I mean, within a year, they were on top of the world. They were as big as the Beatles. Yeah. You know, within a, within a year, year and a half, they were in America, okay, making a splash. Um, and, you know, almost 60 years later, 58 years later, okay, uh, he would pass away but but leave you know this this incredible legacy i I mean i have like 40 stones albums and and various compilations and bootleg i've been a tremendous stones fan since probably late 70s when i really became aware of them okay in in a big way okay uh you know i knew who they were and from the radio but really started paying attention probably in the late seventies. And then, you know, I've always followed them. Um, seen them about five times. Uh, wish I could say I saw them more, wish I could say I saw them earlier. Uh, but, uh, I did manage to, to catch them. And, and I, you know, I, I, I feel bad for anybody that didn't because now Charlie's gone and it's just not going to be the same. Um, I'm curious to see what they're going to do. What do you think? You think they're going to carry on beyond this tour? What do you think, Rob? I think if they got a tour, they might do it. They, they, they probably do, do. Do you know who might replace Charlie? Well, what they had planned to do with this tour is, is Steve Jordan, who, who was Charlie's drum tech. Okay. Very close to Charlie, very close in the band, uh, knows all the songs. Okay. okay? And he was going to do this tour that's coming up 
what, next month, I think it starts or whatever. Okay. Uh, will he be asked to join up, you know, if they have, I mean, they, they were talking about doing another album. I, 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 I think my opinion is they, they might have one more great album in them. I don't know now with Charlie not around. I, 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 I don't know. Okay. But there was talk of, of they've been writing some material and, and they were talking about, one, you know, another album. That's got to be all up in the air. But, you know, do, do you think like beyond this tour, because this tour is on. OK, do you think beyond it, they'll stay together or they'll call it a day? You know what? This might be this might be um, this might be the last tour, man. If they do this tour and they do it with this guy. And then they could probably do an album and still have Charlie in the background, but you could mix them in. Well, who knows? They might have recorded some stuff already. I, that I don't yeah. know. Okay, it's possible. Because you want to hear that he was still active to the day he died because they got him active all the way from 59 to 2021. So he must have been doing something. Yeah, I'm sure he was He was practicing, you know, whatever he did. He The guy loved to play, okay? So, yeah. you know, whether playing at home or... I, I remember... I remember reading something or him. I remember an interview with him and he, he talked about how he hated touring. Absolutely hated touring. He hated to be away from home. He hated to be away from his wife. He hated the, the, the rigors of the road, you know, going place to place, but he loved playing and, yeah. and he really didn't get to play much at home, at least at the time of this interview, which was probably geez, Maybe 30 years ago, I saw this interview and and he, you know, was like, yeah, I'm kind of in a catch 22, you know, like I love to play, but I hate to be on the road. He goes, and that was my life. That was my life. So, you know, it's it, he had a tremendous life, um, uh, influenced thousands of people, millions of fans played on every Stones album, was involved with them up until this week with every little thing, okay? You know, the linchpin of the band, Keith said he was, he was the most important person in the band. Uh, without him, he couldn't, he couldn't go on. Um, and he took no shit. I'll just, I'll just end the show with, with this little story. Is uh, One time in the 80s, and that was a time when the band wasn't getting along too good. Okay. Uh, especially Mick and Keith um, in the eighties. There, there was a lot of problems back and forth and it seemed like the band may not even last, but they were putting out albums in the eighties uh, and touring in, in the beginning of the decade and the end of the decade. Um, but there was, there was a story where they, um, they, they were in a hotel uh, and I'm not sure if it was, they were on tour or they were just all happened to be in a hotel. And um, Mick Jagger, they were all supposed to meet. And Mick Jagger called Charlie up in his room. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was like late at night. And he said to him, you know, Jagger was drunk. He was lumped up. Yeah. And he said, where's my drummer? Where's my drummer? And Charlie just hung up, got dressed, and you know Charlie put on a suit. Yeah. Okay. You know, he, he was always dapper, right? I mean, you never yeah. saw him. I mean, you might see him in a collared pullover shirt at the most, but the guy always wore a jacket, you know, for, for things. 
And he went down, and I believe in the hotel lobby, met Jagger and punched him right in the mouth. And said, and said, and said, don't you ever say I'm your drummer. You're my singer. Wow. <laughs> wow. It just popped him. Just, popped just him. popped him in the mouth. <laughs> I got to tell you, I was very touched on when um, Keith Richard put something like on Instagram and it was a set of drum. With the closed sign. With the like closed. The, I thought that yeah. was. Yeah. As opposed to open, closed, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, you know, and when you put something, that's like, is this the end, you know? Yeah, well, it's the end of an era. Definitely, it's the end of an era. They have, you know, despite all their, you know, decadence and the drugs and the alcohol and the craziness and 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 you know everything around Richards and shooting dope and everything, you know, the only deaths they've had is Brian Jones. Yeah. And that was in 1969. He was already out of the band when he died for a month. He was out of the band for a month when he died. And, you know, they did lose uh, Ian Stewart and, uh, and, and, and Bobby Keys, who were, yeah. you know, important members, but not full-fledged members. But, yeah. but Charlie, I mean, he was a founding member. And, yeah. and they, they, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's very sad, you know. It's 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 like you know, you feel like you know these guys, you know. If you're a fan, you feel like you know them. I guess we don't, you know, but but you you feel like you do. And uh, someone on that caliber, that kind of that kind of hit me in the gut a little bit when I heard he died. So, but that's all I have. I I, I wanted to give a little history of how we got started, and you know, give a little shout out to Charlie and and uh, you know, the, look, the music lives on, man. It never goes yeah. away. A hundred years from now, when we're gone, that music's going to be listened to. Yes, it will. And um, another great tribute. Um, I'm sick of these tributes. People got to stop dying. The wonderful, the wonderful Charlie Watts passed away on the August 24, 2021, man. From um, God bless him. So you say it was from complication, right? They don't really well, know. Well, uh, he, he had a procedure. They didn't say what it was. And he was supposed to recover. So I would expect it was some kind of complications related to that procedure. All right. So, Mike, in another very sad, but uh, another episode of... Uh, of the rock show, the tribute again, another tribute. <laughs> I hope yeah. we don't have to do any more of these tribute for the rest of the year. You know, I hope, I hope not. I hope not. You know, we lost a lot of people in the last year and a half. Yeah. Crazy man. So to everybody out there, remember, don't get drunk, get lumped up. See you next week. Take care people. Get lumped up on the rock show.